Hi, I'm Lowell. And I'm Aiden. And you're listening to I Read the News Today. We are not journalists. Pundits. Or... You didn't, fishermen. Come, up, you didn't come up with fishermen. one, did you? Okay, fishermen. All right. Fishermen. Fishermen. Do continue. But we do read the news. And we're here to talk about the shit that's going on. Today is September 23rd. 2019. Today's article is brought to you by the same man who gave us great one-liners like, come with me if you want to live. I'm not into politics, I'm into survival. Hasta la vista, baby. If it bleeds, we can kill it. And, of course, I'll be back. So I know where three of those felt, where three of those lines are from, and I am under the impression that the three that I know are from the same series. You are talking about come with me if you want to live from Terminator to Judgment Day. Okay. Hasta la vista, baby, from Terminator 2 Judgment Day. That's and not from Terminator 1? Nope. The that first is, one? That is from Terminator 2 Judgment okay. Day, according to the sources that I, I have. And I'll Be Back, which actually is originated in the Terminator, but has been in every single movie that he has ever been. <laughs> Terminator, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, Commando, The Running Man, Twins, Total Recall, Last Action Hero, as well as all the other Terminator movies. He has said it in all of those. All of those different movies? Yes. Because some of those aren't from the Terminator no, series. No, they aren't. Oh, okay. Like, that's the... Every, every action movie he's been in, they've thrown that in somehow. That's the, I've got a bad feeling about this of yes. him? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And now he brings you a brand new genre of one-liner with, all of this is bad for democracy. That comes from a recently published article from the Washington Post that Arnold Schwarzenegger co-authored with... David Daly, titled... Yes, and I'm sure sure Arnold did all of the legwork here. I'm sure he did all the legwork, titled Schwarzenegger, colon, Too Many Voters Live Under Minority Rule, Here's Why. So this article is about states in this country that have a legislative body that does not reflect well the votership of the state. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that, Aiden? Yeah, so this article really, to boil it down to a simple kind of topic, it's about gerrymandering at the level of state legislatures rather than the congressional level. So micro-gerrymandering, if we want to play with macro and micro terms. I just want to, I want to at some point in my life coin a term. And if it's micro-gerrymandering, I'm not against that. Okay. I, I, how, so how much do you know about gerrymandering? I know, I know quite a bit, but I, I don't know the statistics, really. Okay, what do you mean by this? Well, okay, why is it called gerrymandering? Oh, I knew this at one point. I swear I knew this at one point. I don't, it I can't think It makes of it. sense that you would know it at one point. It came from Massachusetts, didn't it? We've talked about this, not on air, but in, in our personal lives. I don't believe we ever talked about really? this. Really? Because I didn't know, I didn't know this off the top of my head. Okay, I, I, I definitely either, maybe I, I learned about this in, in a politics course I took. You probably did. Yeah. So the term was first used on March 26, 1812 in the Boston Gazette in reaction to the redrawing of Massachusetts state Senate election districts under uh, Governor Elbridge Gerry. When did you say this was? March 26, 1812. Oh, so okay. right in the heart of the Civil War. Yeah. Yep. I know it's not. <laughs> uh, so it's a portmanteau of Elbridge Gerry's last name and the word salamander. Because one of the districts, there's a there's a famous cartoon of one of the districts that is sort of edited to look like a mythical salamander. Okay, I got you. Uh, Eldridge Jerry has one of the great early names in American politics. What do you mean? His first name was Elbridge. Oh, have you ever uh, met, have you ever met or heard of someone named Elbridge? Um, not yet. So I made a list of other great names, great early names oh, in American great. politics. I'd love to hear these. Um, John Hancock. Yes, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's an obvious. I, let me put that low-hanging fruit back on the bush. Yeah, uh, Lyman, or the Hancock tree. Yes, Lyman Hall, Button Gwinnett, 
button, Gwinnett. There's something very poetic about that. A lot of things in Georgia are named after him. Oh, good. Titus Hosmer. Titus Hosmer. Yeah. Sounds very Eastern European. Governor Morris. Wait, say that again? Governor Morris. Oh, okay. Uh, Gunning, please please say that his name was governor, that he was governor of his state. Governor Governor Morris would be amazing. I don't think he was. Uh, Don't don't look him up. Okay. (laughs) It's extremely important that you do not look him up. Is this going to go? <laughs> it's, it's, I cannot express to you how vital it is that you don't look him up right now. <laughs> uh, Gunning Bedford Jr. Okay. And then um, these were all signers of either the Constitution, the Articles of Confederation, or the Declaration of Independence. And another one that I found um, of interest was jo- Josiah Bartlett. That is a fictional character. No, it's not. Josiah Bartlett was a representative of New Hampshire who signed um, the Declaration of Independence. Okay. I, I didn't know he that. Is written into the, he, he's written into the fiction of yes, the West Wing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There were two separate Charles Pickneys that signed the Constitution. From different places? No, or? same state. Well, that's... Charles Pickney and his cousin Charles Coatsworth Pickney. Oh, okay, so the they, were, they were related. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, we've gone on a great tangent. Yes. It's been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk a bit more about what uh, former Governor Schwarzenegger is, is talking about here. This article comes after a court ruling in North Carolina that overturned the state's legislative map. Mm -hmm. So to be clear, there is a difference between the uh, state legislature's districting and the state's congressional districting. However, as we discovered... Yeah, we did our search on this. ...in this, in 30 states... uh, Sorry, in 26 states, the state legislature controls both their legislative districts as well as their congressional districts. In, In other words, in those 26 states the state legislature has full control over zoning of, mm-hmm. of the state and how they determine who votes, who can, can vote in a district. And so the issue... Or who comprises a district. Who com- yes, who comprises yeah. a district. That's correct. So the issue, there are other laws that determine who can vote in a district. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's citizenship. Yeah, for the most part, you have to be a citizen. Uh-huh. The issue with the legislature creating the zoning is that they're really able to, in a lot of these states, select who they want to vote where based on their their own margins. Mm-hmm. So they can decide who's in their district, and they can do that in order to try to maximize their votes or maximize their ability to win in a district. So what this Washington Post article that the governor co-authored... Didn't author at all. Put his name on, at the very least. He might have done... I don't know. He might have done all the work. We don't know. The, this article does use research from USC's Schwarzenegger Institute. Different Schwarzenegger. No, same Schwarzenegger. It's Larry Schwarzenegger. And, uh, and it refers to their findings as well as a lot of other nonpartisan findings, which one of the things that they found is that there are six states. There is a minority rule in one or both of the legislative chambers. According to a study from a team headed by Christian Gross of the USC Schwarzenegger Institute. So, so it's North Carolina, Michigan, Wisconsin, Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. What is significant of, about minority rule? Well, one of, the, I mean, one of the key principles of sort of the idea of democracy in America is one person, one vote. Yeah. And Schwarzenegger makes the case that this goes against that. Mm-hmm. Let's just define... Minority rule. Minority rule is when you have uh, enough delegates to control the legislative branch of the government. However, you don't have the popular vote. Of yeah, the state. while receiving fewer votes. Yeah, yeah. While receiving fewer overall votes in the state. Well, yeah. I mean, just on its face, it sounds counter democratic. It does. Yeah. So, in other words, you have fewer total people represented. Mm-hmm. 
and you have more power to a group of people who have fewer backers mm -hmm. overall. But isn't there the argument that in, in this country, the way that most state and our national constitution is set up is that you are represented by region. It's not pure majority based. It, it is your region gets to select a delegate. So yes, I mean, that's that's representative democracy. Exactly. Yeah. So if this happened in a, in a natural way, then it would be a different conversation. And so there is that conversation going on nationally about whether or not our, our politics should be entirely majority rule. But the real issue here is in the gerrymandering. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that a minority is ruling, it's that that minority in power is able to give themselves the ability to continue having rule. And that that is particularly key in the the states in which the legislature draws the districts in both both at the state level and at the congressional level. Yeah. Because it's the state legislature drawing their own districts. Exactly. So they not only have a minority rule, but they also get to set up the districting mm -hmm. so that they can hold on to that minority rule. Yeah. And so that's that's the issue that this article really is trying to drive home. And it would sort of be like one of the sports teams getting to make the rules for the game that they're playing. Yeah. yeah. It's like if... Uh, like when the New England Patriots deflate the balls. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a New England heavy episode. Uh, I feel like I feel like you, you, you like to throw in a lot of New England jabs. It's one of my top two Englands. <laughs> Back to some statistics about partisan gerrymandering. Virginia, Virginia's House of Delegates, for example, holds the distinction of Republicans having a majority of seats just under 51% with just 44.5% of the 2017 vote. Now, one thing I noticed, I noted about Virginia, um, is there something that's different about Virginia than these other states? Well, Virginia is the only one of these six states that voted for, for Hillary Clinton in the most recent... That is true. That is not what I was getting at, though. Well, uh, I, I was going to bring up that fact later that five out of these six are states that voted for Donald Trump and that swung red when they were very purple states prior to the 2016 election, but mm -hmm. swung very much red in the 2016. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, election. Pennsylvania and Michigan hadn't voted for had, had voted for the Democratic Party at the presidential level since, I believe, 1990, 1988. Yeah, which those two things are not necessarily directly correlated because the presidential election is a entirely majority based system for the state. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't have a, a correlation, uh, but it, it is, I don't think that it is purely coincidental either. I think that these are states that have a, a lot of Republican manipulation at the moment mm -hmm. uh, in terms of gerrymandering their states. So what I was getting at in terms of Virginia being different yes, than these please. other um, states is the election that it's referring to for Virginia was held in 2017. Yeah. yeah, I did notice that. So Virginia, um, I forget off the top of my head who the other state is, but they're the, the weird ones that have um, the elections outside of the midterm elections. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm just, it's kind of apropos of nothing, but I bet that that 44.5% would be, I, I bet that Republicans would have lost that election by a wider margin if it were held in 2018. Okay. So that was a Democratic. Yeah, uh, a big Democratic victory in that, in those midterm elections. Yeah. But uh, I think that the other the other thing that that really points out is that so many of these things are entirely dependent on the state to 
to regulate mm -hmm. when they have the elections as well as how they are going to divide the map. And even what the legislature looks like, because yeah. some, some states have a unicameral legis legislature. Now, meanwhile, it is also upon the state and the state's judicial system to determine whether or not these things are constitutional for the state's constitution. So that's what North Carolina d determined was that the map that had been drawn by the legislature was unconstitutional based on the constitution of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And so this article also talks a lot about how we might be seeing more and more court decisions similar to this. And we, I think we've, we've seen a lot. Like there, there yeah. have been a number of decisions in the past, like three years, striking down congressional maps. A lot of people have, have this fear in national and local elections that their vote isn't going to be counted. Mm -hmm. And I think that, sadly, this reinforces that fear. Yeah. And so what needs to be done in order to counter this is, A, I think that we need to have more people who are running on fixing these election systems in it, statewide and, and, and fixing the gerrymandering issue. Because as we said earlier on, this is not just determining the the state legislature, which I personally think is very important. These people also have complete power over determining districts for the the congressional districting. Mm -hmm. And having that much power over who can get into Congress. If, for example, in Wisconsin, only 44.7% of voters cast ballots for Republican assembly candidates in 2018, but the GOP nevertheless won 64.6% yeah, of seats. That's a, that's a pretty ridiculous disparity. Yeah, that is an enormous difference. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't have the statistics here for what, what that looks like in Congress, but I can't imagine that it is much better. If you're going to be drawing these maps in such a biased way, you're going to be drawing the other maps in, in the same way because let me double check. Yep. Wisconsin is one of the states that has the now, has both legislative what and What state do you think districts. is Wisconsin? Wisconsin is the one that is under the upper arm of Michigan. Okay. All right. I just had to check. Yep. The other thing that the right honorable governor points out. Is he right honorable? Is that, is that his official title? Probably. In, in, he's been in some movie where he, he held that a role that would be right and well, honorable. Why would you think that? You're right. <laughs> he usually usually kills people. Yeah, he doesn't often play like peaceful robed lawmen. <laughs> and granted, I don't know that I've ever seen one of his movies all the way through. Really? Thinking off the top of my head, I don't know that I've ever seen an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie all the way through. Wow. I saw 30 minutes of the first Terminator movie. Okay. I feel like I didn't enunciate that at all. I saw 30 <laughs> minutes of the first Terminator movie. <laughs> Let's talk about he how... He was so metal. Like his whole body was made of metal. His whole body was made of metal. Yeah. Didn't finish it. Don't know. <laughs> don't, don't know what it happened. Don't know what happened. Um, We're going to get that John Connor, I think. I don't know. Is he a good guy? Yes, no? Both, actually. Spoilers. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I don't think that's a spoiler. And so as, as he says, all of this is bad for democracy. Gerrymandering insulates politicians that from the That is the most piss-poor Arnold Schwarzenegger impression I have ever Please, heard. Please, do you Oh, your best. damn it. Oh, you turned the tables on me. <laughs> Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's I'm not I'm not unproud of that. Now it's now it's, you're a beetle. Now you're now you're now you're a beetle who was hit by by a lot of stones. So many similarities in the German and no yeah. The, so the British um, royal bloodline yes, has a lot okay. of German in it. Yes, which influenced the action. Yes, the, the but, accent. Yes, but no. Okay, <laughs> you're all the words that you're saying up to a point are true, and then you completely 180 to falsehoods. 
what he says all all of this is bad for democracy <laughs> we, we are the sex pistols gerrymandering instant insulates politicians from the voters it entrenches a party in power providing a firewall that preserves a majority even when the other side wins more votes it pushes our politics to the extreme and leads to policy outcomes that a majority of citizens disagree with but remain powerless to do anything about you know what he wasn't even Arnold Schwarzenegger's not even German <laughs> No, he's not. He's Austrian. <laughs> yeah, you know, as I think about it, he's not even German. Mm-hmm. Is he Austri- Austrian or Hungarian? I think he's Austrian. Yeah, I think he's Austrian. Yeah. Well, it actually depends on when he was born, because he could be both. He could be both. He's not. He's not that old. <laughs> Austrian-American. Yeah. Who has been alive since 1947. That that, that doesn't strike me as unusual. But that's... When oh, do you, no, when World do you, War I, not when, World War II. When do you think... Never mind. World War One. At the end of World War One. Is there a single historical conflict you know the dates of? Uh, well, I, I, I thought for a second that it was broken up at the end of World War Two, but it was World War One because that's that is Yes. When were the Punic Wars? No idea. Should I know that? I don't know who fought the Punic Wars. That was the one with elephants. That that doesn't actually help me much. Hannibal crossed the Alps on elephants? Okay. Roman Carthage. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where's Carthage, you might ask? Africa. Okay, good for you. Yeah. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about? Well, I, so he... One of the reasons I do think this was actually written by Arnold Schwarzenegger yes. and not um, predominantly ghost-written by the other fellow, David Daly, is because it ends very abruptly. It does. It ends by saying the 59 million Americans living under... I feel like you're not even making I'm the, not. the faintest attempt... Do you really want me to? ...to say it in the voice of the author. The 59 million Americans living under entrenched minority rule deserve nothing less than what he said in the previous line. When a party wins more votes but fewer seats, it triggers an automatic nonpartisan remapping. Well, when you say it like that, it sounds like that's a fact. Here's another idea. (laughs) (laughs) To to, to put that all together in a logical manner, Arnold Schwarzenegger's... If you played this section backwards, it makes sense. (laughs) It doesn't even that way. Arnold Schwarzenegger's final thought is, here's another idea. When a party wins more votes but fewer seats... It triggers an automatic nonpartisan remapping. The 59 million Americans living under entrenched minority rule deserve nothing less. So I, I don't know that this is a. To me, this isn't. A, this doesn't seem like a viable solution. That it would trigger an automatic remapping because then you. What What do you do? Do you invalidate that election? Do you have to then do another election with this new mapping? Uh, I I I don't see that as. Well, no. A I solution. think I think what this solution posits is. It would be an automatic nonpartisan remapping that would take effect for the next election. So okay. that that does something to limit the, the problem that we were talking about, about how the state legislatures uh, in these states that control both the congressional districts and the state districts are drawing the districts that they will later serve. Yeah. Because for the next election, that won't be the case necessarily if it's redrawn in a nonpartisan manner. Now, to be clear, this is actually something that is vitally important. Because there is a census this upcoming year, 2020. There might be. Might be. There's been talk of delaying it to put an additional question on it related to citizenship. Yes, there has been. But there is intended to be a census starting... Constitutionally required (laughs) to be. uh, A census starting on April 1st, 2020, which frankly, they should not start anything on. No one should ever start anything on April 1st. What a tremendous way to honor my mother. (laughs) Oh, is is that her birthday? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to when when I when I get my census questions, I'll have to 
Remember to, to wish her a happy birthday. You should write in happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. Yeah. Okay. Once the census is completed, then redistricting is required, correct? Or does that also depend on the states? Well, I know that a redistricting... Well, yeah, redistricting can only occur after... After a census. After the census has happened. Yes. Yeah. So... Yeah, because, I mean, at, at, like, at the congressional level, there are certain states that are going to lose representatives. Yes. And I'm sure also... At, I'm not sure, but I, I would... I would believe that in a lot of state legislatures, they would also have rules based on their populations as to how many districts they're going to have. So there, there is going to be redistricting this coming year. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of these, this redistricting is going to be done in these 26 states. Uh, and well, there are, there are 30 total states that the legislature has the final say on districting. Uh, some of those have... Now, does have that, advisory, and um, there are 31 that have congressional districting in all of those. So there's one thing about what you just said mm -hmm. in that's that's not totally true. They, the states, for the most part, don't have the final say. Really? For the most part, the final say is with the governor. I see what you're saying. The only, the only um, exception to that is Florida, Maryland, Mississippi. Well, state legislative districts are not subject to a gubernatorial veto in those states. Okay. And North Carolina, neither... Um, governor, neither congressional nor state legislative districts are subject to the gubernatorial veto. However, I would assume that in states that have, in in many states that have sixty percent or more, like like Wisconsin, for example, that has sixty percent of its sixty percent of its legislature is Republican, mm -hmm. although forty four point seven percent of the population of the voting population voted Republican. Mm -hmm. I would assume that that sixty seven percent is able to overturn the. In all veto. likelihood, 67% would be enough to overturn the veto, yes. Yeah. Um, that so, being said, the only state, and this, this, will, and this will in all likelihood change after the 2020 elections, but the only state that we've identified as having minority rule and also a Republican governor right now is yeah. Ohio. Interesting. So Michigan, Wisconsin, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina all have Democratic governors. That's very interesting, which to some degree makes sense based on the fact that the number of votes were predominantly for Democrats. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that that carried over to the governorship, uh, even though it didn't become that way in the legislation. This is going, going to be an imminent issue. And the fact of the matter is, for a lot of these states, it's too late to change these rules for districting. Yeah. It's, it's unlikely to change by the 2020 census. So this will be an issue until the, the next the, census. The um, Schwarzenegger's article says that voters in Michigan, Colorado, Utah, Missouri, Missouri have approved measures to reform redistricting. And then it, he singles out Michigan and Missouri as two states where um, the Republican legislature has made efforts to basically undo those laws. Yeah. At the end of the day, all over the country, there will be legislatures who are gerrymandering for their own. And the, the article also identifies Nevada as a state where Democrats won just over 51% of votes, mm -hmm. but they translated that into 69% of seats in the legislature. The Democrats. Yeah, the Democrats yeah. did. And, and 69%. I'm, I'm sure that there are... 69%. Nice. Cool. Personally, I would like to see what, what Arnold Schwarzenegger is proposing go into place, not because I think it's the best solution. I think the best solution is to take control over voter base away from legislatures. That is the, the that's the solution that seems just on its face most fair to me. Yeah. But like I, California I is the state where sort of de it would seem more like Democrats would have the best uh, just just having done no research at all. Yeah. It seems like California is the state where Democrats would be most effectively able to gerrymander and but they don't have control over the 
over districting. Yeah, and which I despite think is- that, um, Democrats control the vast majority yeah. of congressional oh, seats yeah. and state legislature seats in California. I really do believe that this should be handled by a nonpartisan outside committee. Is the same thing as determining congressional pay and election financing. I don't think that Congress should be able to determine that because it seems like a conflict of interest. So I actually just thought of an idea we could do to reform this. And what if we put control of the districts in all states under the control of American activist and author gerrymander? <laughs> Did you just look up the, the name gerrymander to see if you could find somebody? Yes. <laughs> I, I Author of the 1977 book, Four Arguments for the Elimination of Television, gerrymander. <laughs> the best way to solve gerrymandering is with a gerrymander. Jerry Irwin Mander. Can you find his contact info? Do you have the dark web? <laughs> the answer is and should be no. This is a an enormous issue in how our government is currently run. Being is, able to contact gerrymander is an enormous issue? No, I think that gerrymandering is an enormous issue. And I, I think that we need to continue to put focus on it because sadly, there aren't a lot of opportunities to fix it. It, it really is... You can put in laws that say that yeah, there it has to be There fixed, aren't a lot of opportunities to fix it because gerrymander is 83 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but especially... Realistically, we can only assume that he has about 40 years left. So this comes up mainly around census. Censuses. Well, it comes up because that would make him just a smidge over the oldest verified living person ever. I think that this is something that need, needs to be solved nationally before the next census because it, it really is... It, it is wresting control from the people. It, it's a coup of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it is very undemocratic. And so, yes, we need to have... And what could be less democratic than giving control, control of, of to, everything to one man based on his name? To one Bronx-born man. <laughs> um, but I, I, I hope to see more politicians, more people spending more time trying to fix this issue because... It's a serious issue. Anything else to say? Um, what does gerrymander look like? I, I think that he looks like an old, crusty man. Were you picturing this guy? Actually, yes. He sort of looks like if Phil Spector never murdered anybody. <laughs> he kind of looks like, uh, what's the white-haired guy from uh, Mad Men? John Slattery. John Slattery. He looks like John Slattery, but older, with an enormous mane. This is actually, I'm surprised that John Slattery is actually older than Gerrymander. Is he? Yeah, John Slattery is 85 years old. Wow. No. No, of course not. <laughs> That's been state legislative gerrymandering, and unless you got anything else to add, I think we'll take a break. Well, yeah, that, inclu- that concludes the John Slattery update. Yep. How old is he really? 57. Great. We're going to take a break now. Thank you for listening to I Read the News Today. Oh, boy. We really appreciate you listening, and we would also appreciate you rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening. I've been told that we're on Google Play. I don't know how that is because I haven't put it on Google Play, but hell, why not? We're now on Google Play. You can find us there too. You can also interact with us through social media on Twitter at at newsoboy. Or you can send us an email at newsoboy at gmail.com. And uh, please send us 
whatever weird articles you find, whatever funny articles you find. And if we use them, we'll mention you on the show. We'll also thank thank anyone who sends us articles that uh, we don't end up using. And in fact, we're going to be mentioning someone on the show tonight for to thank them for their article. Enjoy the rest of the show. All right. All right. So we are now going to dissect something from the weirder side of the news. If you would like to open that article and read us the headline. All right. UAE's first astronaut is issued Islamic guidelines telling him how to pray in space when he is observing 16 sunrises a day and how to check he is always facing Mecca. So did Leslie Nope write this headline? No. Why do you say that? It's the longest headline <laughs> I've ever heard. It really is. Uh, it's from the Daily Mail. There was a recurring gag on Parks and Rec where Leslie Nope would suggest a absurdly long headline to Sean <laughs> yes. Marley tweet. Yes, I, I actually started rewatching that show last night. The UAE's first ever astronaut... Do you want to clarify what that is? The United Arab Emirates okay, cool. has, is sending their first ever astronaut into space. And so there is a religious conundrum for an Islamic person who has to pray five times a day. They wanted to make sure that they had created guidelines for this person as to how to resolve that okay. when, when he is technically experiencing 16 days a day. He's orbiting the Earth 16 times a day. So rather than praying okay. a total well, this of... this is miserable. <laughs> is it? Do you want another no, one? No, 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 no. I think it's a good article. It just, it gets to a question I've had for a very long time. Which is? Why do we care when the sun rises and falls anymore? Yeah. I mean, because in school they would be like, on Earth a day is one day, but when you go to Mars, a day is two hundred Earth days. Well, uh, you you need a base standard of time. We have a to, base standard of time, which is twenty four hours. Yeah. So that's what a day. That's what a day is throughout the universe in perpetuity. No, it isn't because the Gorklops from <laughs> Rigel Seven will get on board. Or this will start the space war. Well, those 24 hours in a day, you you have to define how long an hour is, how long a second is. An hour is th 30, is 60 minutes. Great. And how long is 60 minutes? It is 360 seconds. Mm-hmm. And how long is a second? It's it's ex the exact length of time that it, the exact length of time that it takes you to say one Mississippi. <laughs> so that's your, 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 Clinical definition of a second. Yes. So that is relative. Did you go to Did you go to school? I did. Yeah. That makes it relative. My my one Mississippi and your one Mississippi aren't the same length. Even my second. Okay. And your second are the same. We same put length. it in the Constitution. A second is how long it takes for whoever the current president is <laughs> to, to say, say one Mississippi. Mississippi. Well, that would be so. So we're we're basically going off of the the. The, the length of measurement is the distance of the king's foot. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you do things like that and you try to send a rocket into space. That same guy who's in, who, who has to figure out when he's praying. Okay, he has a name. Yes, he does. Haza al-Mansuri. Haza al-Mansuri. So he not only has to... Then he can then say, okay, I've, I've calculated the time it takes the current president of the United States... He's from the United Arab Emirates. This is we'll Manifest Destiny. America controls time now. <laughs> Great. But he then has to has to go off of that, that unit of time. But also, he then has to blow up 
in the spaceship that is taking him to space because well, ideally he doesn't blow up because the the person who made who made the engine and the person who made the uh, the nose shaft they were built under different U.S. presidents, and so the the length of the the foot of the president was was different, and the calculations were off, and it exploded. Or the the computer in one section had a second at one length, and a com- the computer in the other sec- section had a second at another length, and he didn't get to space because nothing worked because we didn't have a standard unit of time. Okay, I'm coming up with a solution to your conundrum. <laughs> I await this solution. Okay, so here we go. So a second is the length of time that it takes the eternal president of North Korea to say the words one Mississippi. That way it never changes because Kim Il-sung is the eternal president of North Korea <laughs> and he's been dead yes, for 25 sadly, years. Sadly, I don't think that we can measure how long it takes him, him to say one Mississippi and on top of that, I doubt that he said it, he would be able to say it the same same rate every time. It doesn't matter. We just need one audio clip of him saying the word one <laughs> and one of him saying the yeah. word Mississippi. Okay, so we'll just piece piece together those vowels. Yes. In order to create this. Exactly. Okay. Um, now, the solution that the UAE gave to this, this astronaut, Al-Mansuri. Do you have a source for that? Like stated in the article? Yes. Who, according to who? Oh, um... Well, this this comes from a a booklet that he was given by by the UAE. Yeah, but that's according to what the National, the indie rock band. <laughs> I see what you're going for. It is a another another uh, publication called the National. That, so I clicked that on that link and it does go immediately to the webpage <laughs> for the indie rock band. Okay. The it even says there's no point in following the timings of the launch country, the booklet says. Yeah. So he could follow the timing of Kim Il-sung. Yes, he could. But that would probably lend an air of legitimacy to the North Korean regime. <laughs> but I don't think the UAE is, has, would have that much issue with that. Yeah, I'm not too worried about the UAE. I'm worried about me personally <laughs> lending wow. legitimacy to the North Korean regime. That's fair. I wouldn't do it. The, the station orbiting the Earth at 27,500 mi- uh, kilometers per hour, which direction must... Al-Mansuri face when expressing his faith? That's another question. Yes, that's the other issue. So what the UAE recommended on that was face towards Earth if you can. The reason why that might not easily be possible is because he will be floating because of, of the low gravity in, in the space station. So he might he might have to be trying to to grab his way towards facing yeah, Earth. Yeah, can he lightly grab a... Yes, but also the station is it does some, some rotation. So it's a, it's a difficult difficult conundrum. But actually, he is not the first... It looks... It, and I don't want to be insensitive to mm-hmm. um, Muslims, but it looks like the religion almost expressly forbids going to space. <laughs> well, actually, uh, he... he well, is, I didn't know this. He, um, he's this, not the first devout Muslim to go to space. A Malaysian astronaut named Sheikh Muzaffar Shakur... Uh, traveled to the ISS during Ramadan in 2007, faces a similar dilemma. And Malaysia's space agency, ANCASA, convened a summit that included 150 Islamic scholars to answer questions concerning Qibla directions and prayer timings. There are a lot of words in this next sentence that make it hard for me to... I don't know what... what maca- Which one are you doing? It's probably an alternate spelling. Because timings are more favorable than... Ca- ca- oh, it's, it's a location. The, the timings of the holy city of Mecca. 
Is it? Oh. <laughs> it's an alternate spelling I've never of Mecca. Seen it spelled that way. Um, a lot of things in Arabic are spelled wildly different in oh, English sure. depending on who you ask because yeah. of the different alphabet. Yeah. So, in other words, they recommend praying when Mecca prays. Okay. Which, you know, that seems that seems fair. Isn't that how you do it normally? No, you oh, no, you, you pray based on the time if you're in your location. Yeah, if you're here, you're going to be asleep for a lot of that. Yeah, you're you're going to face Mecca. Okay. But uh but there are five prescribed times in a day uh which I believe are sunrise sunset, noon, and two other times that I don't know. There. The the issue was there's set times and a set direction. But from space, you don't really have either of those. So their solution was do it when Mecca does it and try to face Earth. Because, I mean, from there, if you're facing Earth, you are facing Mecca. Not necessarily. Yeah. You're far enough away that, you know, you're broadly facing it. Mecca. If you can see, if you can see the 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 globe, and I think that you, your your direction is is Mecca. <laughs> Having precise 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 measurements of of one I mean, two I degrees. Don't, I don't want him standing there with a protractor. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. You, All right. I'll relent. In, in order to do any better, you would need to take out a protractor. The, the man can pray. <laughs> so, the solution is the man can pray and not worry too much about it. It's an it's a neat problem to have. Well, it's it's interesting that it's not just one problem. It's yeah. like three different problems. Yeah, I mean it's you. It's a very unique situation to be in. It would be like if the communion wafer like dissolved in zero gravity. Well, I guess if you think if about all of the space, if all of the food in space was meat, if all of this food in space was um, beef. It would really suck for Hindus. Well, if you think think about it from uh, from a Jewish perspective, you don't do work on the Sabbath, and a lot of people have have interpreted that as including using any kind of electricity. But you're on the space station, and in order to survive, you need to be running things that use tech, technology and electricity. I googled Hasidic astronaut, <laughs> and no specific examples came up. Yeah, well, uh, I'm not going to bother googling Amish astronaut. <laughs> Uh, although I do wonder how well, how religions will, will I, I hope, will adapt when, I, I hope that humans have the ability, the, the opportunity to adapt to when we are a multi-planetary species. I wonder how Muslims will, will be able to... Matt Damon drinks a lot of communion wine on Mars and the Martian. <laughs> But no, I, I, I really wonder as we begin to colonize the rest of the, the solar system and maybe galaxy eventually far down the line, I wonder if these same religions will be able to survive that or if, you know, new religions will come out of it. Does Matthew McConaughey do any praying towards Mecca in Interstellar? I don't believe so. No. No, I don't remember it. Well, at least not on, on screen. So okay. That might, that might have... Most of the deleted scenes are him praying towards Mecca. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think that this is this is an interesting issue, and I, I don't think that this is an issue that is limited to, to this one guy in, in the long term. But I, I am glad that he got, got directions that, that seem reasonable. What did you look up? Amish astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, I think that we are ready to move on to a new topic. It's just a horse and buggy in space. <laughs> <laughs>
So, what is this week's so, Wiki of the Week? Without looking, I'd like you to guess. Well, you said his name earlier. Okay. And I've completely forgotten it. Okay, but you do, you do you do know why I didn't want you to click on yes, that. Yes, I was like, oh, you should not have included that if you were going to be have that be the Wiki of the I Week. I didn't think you were going to then Google him. So it's Governor Morris. How do you yeah. spell his, pronounce his first name? I am unsure because I was looking up pronunciation guides before, and oh, there was some yeah, so that's discrepancy. Why, and so that's why I was that that name hit, hit my ear because I knew that you were. I, I I heard you trying to do a pronunciation guide before we started recording. Okay, so uh, so it's G O U V E R N E U R Morris. Yes. So, according to Abigail Adams... Should I open? Yes. Great. According to Abigail Adams, which I don't know why her opinion is posted on this, but uh, his first name was pronounced Governor. Governor. Interesting. Governor Morris. Yes. He was an American statesman, a founding father of the United States, and a signatory of the Articles of Confederation in the US, United States Constitution. Cool. So, okay. A lot of this is going to suck, but there's some pretty big payoffs. So, why don't you, you lead me through the part that sucks? Okay, he wrote the preamble to the United States Constitution. Let me see what else I... It's been called the penman of the Constitution. Advanced the idea of being a citizen of a sing single union, union of states, rather than people... Like, you would be a Massachusetts. Okay. And I would be a Pennsylvania. Rather than it be a single, singular federal government, yes. he, he said, let's have it be state governments that are united by a federal government. Yeah. Okay. So just in that um, early life section, Morris's first name derived from his mother's surname. Interesting. So what would your first name be? Lloyd Thurstein. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than mine. Yours? Price. That's not, it's yeah. not terrible. It's, I mean, yeah. it's not good. I mean, it's not a name. It's not a good first name. Yeah. Um, All right, so he attended King's College, which is now Columbia University, at the age of 12. What? Which wasn't that uncommon at yeah. that time. Yeah, I mean, when you die young, you gotta learn early. Yeah, 12 was like 58 at that point. Yeah. Yeah, he went to college late. I mean, he died... We'll get to his death. Don't look at his death just yet. Don't... Can I, I'm just looking at the just, date. Okay, look at the date. That's fine. Yeah, he died in 1816, so he, he lived a pretty long life yeah. for, for that time, from 1752 to 1816, which is 64... Is that, do you think that's that, what that song was about? Well, both of my parents are going to be unhappy that I said that 64 is, 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 is pretty old. <laughs> the, the Revolutionary War split his family, basically. Yep. Uh, his mother gave the family estate to the British for military use while he um, supported the Patriot cause. Okay. Um, he later served as a delegate to the Con Con Continental Congress. And then is there a picture shortly after that? Yes. What is that? Wooden leg, wooden leg of Governor Morris. So, so the Wikipedia article leaves out a big chunk of why his leg was amputated. Ah, uh, it says in nineteen in uh, seventeen eighty, Morris had a carriage accident in Philadelphia, and his left leg was amputated below the knee. Now, I have looked up other um, sources that claim that um, when he was twenty eight, he was caught. Um, having sex with another man's wife, the wife's husband chased Morris out onto the street where he was run over by a four-wheeled <laughs> carriage, breaking his leg in several places. Doctors, okay. doctors amputated the leg and replaced it with a wooden prosthetic. Very good. He continued 
to have sex with married women up until the age of 58 where he married okay. when he married and settled down uh wait 58 yeah okay so that was 10 years before he died yeah we'll get to his death like i said uh-huh views on slavery yeah views on slavery he did good on those okay he did think that common people were incapable of self-government and feared that the poor would sell their votes to the rich and then voting should be restricted to property owners that kind of relates to our conversation earlier yeah and i don't agree with him um he opposed admitting new Western states on an equal basis with the existing Eastern states, fearing that the interior wilderness could not furnish enlightened natural, national statesmen. Views on slavery good. were good. He was opposed to it. He was in France for a while. Depending on who you asked, it saved Marquis de Lafayette's life. Okay. Um, later in his career, he was an honorary member of a couple of uh, secret societies. Okay. He, at the age of 57, married um, Anne Randolph, who was the daughter okay so this was this was challenging for me to puzzle through in my head he was she was the daughter of Anne Carey and Thomas Mann Randolph senior the sister of Thomas Mann Randolph junior Thomas Mann Randolph junior was the husband of Thomas Jefferson's daughter Martha Jefferson Randolph so is this a riddle <laughs> Richard Randolph and Nancy if Richard and Nancy Richard Randolph and Nancy Nancy his wife were accused of murdering a newborn baby what where did that come from? Which was said to be Nancy's, presumably because she was having an affair with Richard. So, an incest baby? They were acquitted of murdering the baby. Okay. And then, so shortly after that section, can you take me through his death? From Morris died? Yeah. Morris died on November 6th, 1816, after causing himself internal injuries and infection while using a piece of whalebone as a catheter in an attempt to clearing a blockage in his urinary tract. So in 1816, Morris was suffering from a urinary blockage and could not pee. Oh, God. So he took a piece oh, of whalebone no, from his wife's no, corset. No. And attempted to clear the blockage himself. Oh, God. That's terrible. That's so, just awful. <laughs> He died after lacerating his penis with a whalebone. Oh, no. Oh, no. I also hate that I keep accidentally scrolling over uh, the the link, linked piece urinary tract, and it's showing me images of the urinary tract while I'm hearing about this awful thing that this person did. This one article that I found um, said that he lacerated his penis with a whalebone and died in the same room in which he was born. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Uh, and we could actually go to the place where he lacerated his penis with a whalebone because it's in the South Bronx. Yeah, it's not that far from here. Another reason not to take a visit to the Bronx. Well, it looks like it's not still a thing. The um, like the structure might not be standing. That's it for the best. <laughs> you should really burn that place down. Okay. Well, that was unpleasant and in all sorts. I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah. You. Um, do you mind if I say lacerated his penis with a whalebone one more time? I do mind, but it's too late you have. All right. In conclusion, thank you guys for listening. We have just one more article to uh, share with you guys. And so this article was sent to us by the one and only David Brummer. Thank you so much for sending it to us. Uh, you can hear his episode where he, where he was a guest uh, from episode 12. And he sent this, he sent this, this final headline that we're going to be reading now. So whenever you are ready, Aiden, if you could just click it, go ahead. All right. Massive semen explosion after blaze hits bull, artificial insemin bull, oh, 
Massive semen explosion after Blaze hits Bull Artificial Insemination Factory. Firefighters for forced to dodge quote-unquote projectiles. Say, <laughs> like a different, uh, a different version of the Boston molasses disaster. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, it's it's a viscous liquid. <laughs> I will never look at molasses the same way again. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, until. Next episode, have a good couple weeks. Good night and good news. The Mary Tyler Moore Show.